well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad to be with you today and glad that you are with me. Talking about uh, what's going on in the state of Virginia, where it looks like Democrats uh, are getting ready for another special session. Uh, And this time, we may see another round of gun control proposals. I don't think you're going to see Ralph Northam's gun ban come up in this special session. Uh, Although Democratic uh, gubernatorial candidate Terry McAuliffe is running on a a gun ban. But most of the Democrats in the state of Virginia right now, this is an election year. So they're trying to portray themselves as moderate uh, on the issue at a time in which violent crime Uh, is on the rise across the uh, state of Virginia. This comes, by the way, this increase in violent crime after Democrats took over the state legislature and imposed the first new gun control laws in the Commonwealth of Virginia uh, in at least 20 years back in 2020. Yep, they put these new gun laws on the books. So what happened to the crime rate? Started going up. So, of course, their answer is, uh, well, we we clearly didn't do enough uh, gun control. We need more gun control. Yeah. And of course, we are seeing that uh, same mentality echoed nationwide by uh, Democrats. Make you miss President Trump? A lot of people do. And I'm coming to you with a very special offer that you do not want to miss. Now's your chance to win one of six signed photos of President Trump, hand signed by President Donald Trump. And soon one can be hanging up in your home. President Trump signed these photos. You want to make sure that all of his supporters have the chance to receive one. And now is your chance. All you have to do is text CAM, that's C A M, to 55404 today for your chance to win a beautiful photo of President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump hand-signed by President Trump himself. Again, by texting CAM to 55404 right now, not only will you get entered to win, but you'll get exclusive double-entry activation for a limited time. So text CAM to 55404 to have your name entered twice to win a hand-signed Trump photo. You don't want to miss this. Contest ends soon. Paid for by the National Republican Senatorial Committee. All right, so in Virginia, as the Democrats are debating what they're going to do, uh, Republicans uh, are looking at uh, the policies that they're going to uh, suggest during this special session. You've got a police chief in uh, Virginia who is declaring that what really needs to happen here is we need to be able to to just track uh, every gun out there all the time. Yeah, chief uh, of Norfolk, Virginia's police department, Larry Boone. According to Virginia, Mercury has been trying to gather data on how firearms flow from gun store shelves to crime scenes in the city's high-poverty neighborhoods. Though experts and politicians have floated multiple theories about what's driving an uptick in violence in Virginia and the rest of the country, Boone says guns are too easy to get and too hard to track as they change hands, and the COVID-19 pandemic made that problem worse. Boone said, quote, the gun sales soared. They soared to such a degree that now we're dealing with Armageddon. We have young folks shooting young folks, and that's the reality of it. No, that's actually not the reality of it, Chief. Violent crime in the state of Virginia has been trended up for the last couple of years. It didn't just begin last year. Uh, Nope. In fact, uh, Governor Ralph Northam has presided over uh, an increase in violent crime that dates back, or increased homicides anyway, in Virginia that dates back to, I believe, 2017. We've also seen studies conducted showing that the increase in crime does not correlate to the increase in gun sales around the country. So I dispute Chief Boone saying, well, you know, the problem is we've just got too many guns out there. Virginia has always had a uh, fairly large percentage of individuals who legally own firearms. We've also had historically one of the lowest violent crime rates in the country. 
So if things are now moving in the wrong direction, I don't think it's because of uh, increased gun sales. Again, we've had plenty of firearms in the Commonwealth of Virginia. What changed last year, besides the uh, new gun control laws put on the books, uh, is a pullback by police and, I believe, a uh, an attitude, particularly in uh, places like Norfolk, certainly in uh, Richmond, Virginia, uh, and some of the other uh, hard-hit cities, that police themselves are a bigger problem than violent criminals. And I think that has emboldened violent criminals as a result. But let's continue on with uh, what the chief has to say here. He says, what's alarming him in the past year and a half is the age of the shooters and the age of the victims. That's the thing that stands out the most, how brazen they are. They simply don't value life. They'll pull a trigger intended to hit a specific target, but they don't mind collateral damage either. Okay? Now, if that's the case, then um, let me just ask a question here. What, what's the point of trying to track every firearm in existence? We have a much smaller number of violent criminals in Norfolk, Virginia, that should be a lot easier to keep track of. And if we provide actual consequences for those violent crimes, guess what happens? Violent crime drops. If you don't provide consequences when a shooting or a homicide occurs, what happens? Criminals feel like they can get away with murder. And if they believe that they can get away with the crimes, they're going to commit more of them. Now, Democrats, as I mentioned, we're getting ready for a special session in Virginia. So Democrats are trying to figure out what to do here. And uh, while we should not expect to see uh, an attempt to ban modern sporting rifles, at least in this special session, uh, it is clear that a lot of the stakeholders and the Democrat supporters do believe that the problem is, uh, quote, too many guns out there. Uh, Tory Edmonds is with uh, Virginia Commonwealth University's Clark Hill Institute for Positive Youth Development. And uh, she said, quote, I think the availability of guns is one issue, but our attitude towards firearms is another, where we have a culture that they're in love with guns. And then we have communities where we begin to teach our young people that they've always got to be ready, don't let anybody disrespect you, and it doesn't keep us safe. Well, again, no offense to uh, Tori Edmonds here, but if you're talking about a culture of lawful gun ownership, responsible gun ownership, yeah, there are plenty of people out there who love their guns. More of them, I think, love their families, they love their rights, than they love inanimate objects, but whatever. These are also not the individuals who are going out and committing a lot of violent crimes. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's a, uh, a pretty big separation if we're drawing the Venn diagram of law-abiding gun owners, violent criminals, not a whole lot of overlap there. But Tori Edmonds says, you know, we've got these communities where we begin to teach young people, you've got to be ready, don't let anybody disrespect you, doesn't keep you safe. Look, this is a bold idea. Democrats would never go for it. But what about teaching actual gun safety in some of these underserved communities? What about teaching actual basic firearms safety, including, by the way, the responsibility that comes with gun ownership? Now, is that the magic panacea that's going to solve violent crime? No. No, I'm not pretending that it is. But making guns a taboo object, as we've seen Democrats do in the cities that they've controlled for decades now, also doesn't work. So why don't we try giving a little education, a little training, a little responsibility, and try to inculcate a culture of lawful gun ownership? Because the idea of, well, let's make guns taboo and banned, and then uh, nobody will use them, that's been an abject failure. So let's, let's, let's move in the opposite direction. 
Let's see what happens if you start teaching everybody, including, by the way, those who might illegally possess a firearm, how to be safe and responsible with them. Offer up those gun safety courses. Look, it can't hurt. It can't do any more damage than the Democrats have already done. Now that I'm expecting Republicans to uh, adopt that strategy in the special session coming up in Virginia. Uh, According to the Virginia Mercury, both Democrats and Republicans have signaled support for a strategy of actually targeting violent offenders with things like community violence intervention grants and things of that nature. But there's a big difference between what the right wants to do and what the left wants to do. As the Virginia Mercury says, community-based programs are backed by gun control groups. They also align with the arguments of pro-gun Republicans who say restrictive laws on gun ownership are less effective than dedicating resources to preventing and punishing gun crimes. House Minority Leader Todd Gilbert from Shenandoah, who introduced a violence intervention bill this year that failed to advance from a Democratic-controlled subcommittee, said intervention programs would, quote, fall apart without a strong law enforcement component to ensure that there are consequences if intervention fails. Now, look, it is important to point out, by the way, Republicans proposed this first. Democrats said no. Last year, Todd Gilbert introduced a bill that would give grant money to states to bring in Operation Ceasefire, a program we've talked about in this uh, 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 program many times before. You focus on these small number of core offenders, you offer them a way out, but if they don't accept that way out, then you take their cases, you remove them from state court, you put them in federal court, you don't offer them a plea bargain, and you put them behind bars for as long as the law allows. This works. The strategy works. It doesn't involve new gun control laws. It actually tends to lead to fewer arrests overall, but because you're arresting the most violent offenders, violent crime plummets. Democrats didn't want to do this last year. They couldn't even get a single Democratic co-sponsor for that proposal. And uh, as the Virginia Mercury points out, this year, Gilbert's bill failed to get out of a Democrat-controlled committee, again, because of concerns about, why there's just too much policing involved. Yeah. And what's weird is you'd think gun control-loving Democrats would be okay with more policing. But they seem to object when that policing focuses solely on violent criminals and not on the much broader universe of legal law-abiding gun owners, which gets us back to the police chief in Norfolk, Virginia, and his idea that, uh, you know what, we just need to track every gun everywhere all the time. Larry Boone says that community violence intervention programs can be helpful with the right people involved and the right level of commitment. But he says that policymakers are, quote, chasing our tail if we never impact the flow of guns. To really make a difference, he said there should be a paper trail every time a gun changes hands. It's always been on the police, he says, to manage things that governments generations ago created. In any urban setting that has poverty, it looks like Norfolk, it looks like Detroit, it looks like Richmond. It's looked that way for decades. I'm going to say it again. Until we impact the flow and start tracking guns, we'll continue to have this conversation. Well, again, violent crime in Norfolk, in Richmond, frankly, even in Detroit, had been trending down for several years. Violent crime rates, homicide rates in the United States dropped by more than 50% between the early 1990s and 2020. When those reverses uh, were lost, well, a lot of them anyway, with the biggest one-year spike in the uh, country's homicide rate that we've seen in at least 60 years. So, again, I dispute the idea that it takes some sort of uh, gun tracking, gun registration scheme to really get a handle on violent crime. First of all, some of the states with the lowest violent crime rates in the U.S. don't have firearms registration. Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, 
Wyoming, all among the lowest rates of violent crime, all constitutional carry states, quite frankly. There are no licensing or registration requirements for gun owners. So I disagree completely with Chief Boone's assertion that, well, we just need to keep track of uh, these guns and where they're going. First of all, criminals aren't going to do that. Even in states where you have gun registration and gun licensing laws, you still have a lot of violent crime, right? So what does Chief Boone think is going to happen here? If you start requiring uh, every uh, transaction of a firearm to be accompanied by paperwork, first of all, how do you police that? How do you police those private sales? In states like New Mexico, Colorado, Washington State, that have imposed universal background check requirements in the previous years, you can hardly find anybody who's been charged because it's damn near impossible to police even after the fact a private transfer of a firearm. And then there's the fact that we live in a nation with 100 million gun owners, with more than 400 million privately owned firearms, and the constitutionally protected right to keep and bear them. So for Chief Boone to say, listen, we're never going to be able to get a handle on violent crime unless we deal with the flow of firearms. You live in a country where we've got a right to own them. You live in a country where we've got a right to carry them, for goodness sakes. So how do you deal with the quote-unquote flow of firearms without trying to curtail the exercise of a civil right? Larry Boone wasn't asked that question. I'd love to know his answer, because I think the answer is you can't. As soon as you start trying to adopt a supply-side strategy, we can reduce the supply of guns, we can cut down on violent crime, you're off in the wrong direction. Because there are far more legally owned firearms in this country than there are violent criminals. The key is to reduce the demand for firearms among those who would use them in the commission of a violent crime. And again, the best way to do that is to ensure that there are consequences for using a firearm in the commission of a violent crime. This isn't a hypothetical situation. We've seen cities adopt this strategy in the past, and they've seen their homicides been reduced by 50% or more without the need for new gun control laws on the books. Unfortunately, Democrats in Virginia, including the uh, a police chief appointed by the Democratic mayor of Norfolk, Virginia, appeared to be fixated on the idea that we can, in fact, ban and regulate our way to safety by imposing new laws new restrictions, new infringements on legal gun owners while keeping the violent criminals as an afterthought. All right, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. Speaking of violent criminals, let's start there with the case out of Wichita, Kansas. Man jailed and toddler shooting at a lake also tried to stab a girl's mother, according to the sheriff. Yeah, this guy... Uh... There's a lot to talk about. This could be a, a whole separate Cam and Company show, as a matter of fact. A 21-year-old Camden Campos of Wichita arrested following nearly a, a two-hour manhunt in uh, Reno County, Kansas, on Monday afternoon after he allegedly shot a handgun at a, a car that was uh, fleeing, injuring a, a two-year-old girl who was sitting in a car seat inside. Uh, the driver of that car, along with her two young children, apparently had been abducted by Campos. Uh, earlier that day, uh, according to the uh, local sheriff there in Reno County, uh, Campos got into an argument with his girlfriend, who's also the mother of the uh, young kids, inside a home in Wichita, and then uh, took him out to this lake. 
Campos convinced the mom to get into a car with her two children so he could take them to another location during the argument. But after they were on their way, the mom quickly, quote, figured out that Campos was headed somewhere else. At some point, he then pulled a knife on the mom, began threatening her, including uh, telling her that he would kill her. He also tried to stab her. They ended up down this dead-end road where Campos led the mom down to the water's edge, uh, police say, with the intent to harm her. But he got distracted by something, and she was able to escape. She jumped into the car. She drove off with her kids inside. Campos fired shots after her. Uh, and then again, uh, a, a two-year-old was uh, was wounded in that attack. Thankfully, it looks like the little girl is going to be okay. Uh, Campos has now been booked into the Reno County Jail on suspicion of felony theft, aggravated kidnapping, multiple counts of attempted first-degree premeditated murder. Bond set at uh, $2.1 million. So where does the recidivist portion of our recidivist report come in here? Well, as it turns out, 2018, three years ago, Campos was arrested for multiple counts of felony, aggravated battery, as well as marijuana possession. Prosecutors allege that he, quote, knowingly caused great bodily harm or disfigurement of another person. And guess what happened? Campos got a plea deal. And the felony charges were dismissed. And instead, he pleaded guilty to misdemeanor charges, and he was sentenced to 18 months of probation, which expired last December. So rather than spending some time behind bars for an aggravated violent felony, Campos gets a slap on the wrist. It's in on his merry way, and is now back behind bars just a few short months later after uh, being accused of attempted first-degree murder. So there you go. Camden Campos of uh, Wichita, Kansas. Today's recidivist report. Our uh, armed citizen story of the day from Omaha, Nebraska, where a resident shot a would-be home invader uh, who ended up getting arrested for uh, DUI, among other charges here. 36-year-old Benjamin Novak. Uh, facing charges including fourth offense DUI, reckless driving, and attempted burglary. This was a Sunday morning. Officers were called to a home on reports of a crash, according to an Omaha Police Department report. Uh, Novak hit several mailboxes in this residential neighborhood before he uh, crashed through a fence and ended up in the backyard of a home. Officers said that Novak then attempted to break into the house, which is when a resident of that home shot. Mr. Novak, he was taken to a local hospital, treated and released, now facing, again, several charges, including attempted burglary, reckless driving, criminal mischief, and a DUI fourth offense. Just a suggestion, but maybe it's time that Mr. Novak spend a little time behind bars, since he uh, does not appear to be able to keep his drinking under control and appears to be a threat to the community when he gets behind the wheel of a car while allegedly intoxicated. Finally today, our good deed of the day. All right, this one, it's kind of a Rorschach picture. Kind of hard to tell what's going on there. This is a, a still frame from a, a very chaotic situation, a, a police officer uh, running as fast as he can to save a family from a burning home in Jamestown, New York. Uh, and thankfully, he was successful in doing so. Officer Mark Conklin first alerted to a house fire on uh, William Street while he was responding to another call. He immediately ran to the second address, which was nearby, where he found a house on fire, one person outside, five others, though, trapped inside. Now, Conklin's the first one there. Fire department doesn't even know about this fire yet. He requested help from the Jamestown Fire Department uh, over his radio. He was then able to help three people uh, outside uh, from the main floor. And then there was a mom and a kid upstairs that Conklin was able to uh, rescue. They jumped to safety, and he ended up catching them. 
Uh, Jamestown Police Chief Tim Jackson says, I can say I've seen many examples of heroism over the years by officers, but after watching the video of this incident and speaking to others involved, I can say that the actions of Officer Conklin were, to say the least, one of the most outstanding examples of bravery, heroism, and exemplary service I have seen. We, the Jamestown Police Department, are honored to have officers such as Mark Conklin working in the Jamestown Police Department. So uh, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Officer Mark Conklin there with the uh, Jamestown, New York Police Department. We thank you, sir, for your very good deed. And we thank you, as always, for being a part of the program today. Don't forget to uh, check out BearingArms.com throughout the day for even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. And uh, you can also become a VIP subscriber at Bearing Arms. All you got to do is go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNS. You'll get 25% off of your VIP membership. That'll give you access to exclusive commentary, analysis, and more. If you uh, want to go one step further and become a VIP gold member, you'll get that same exclusive analysis and commentary throughout the entire Town Hall Media family of websites. Also get access to our weekly live chats, which uh, we'll be doing tomorrow. As a matter of fact, Hot Airs, Ed Morrissey, and myself. Again, just go to barryandarms.com slash subscribe. You can find out all the details there. We will be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. Thank you so much for being a part of the program today. And until we talk again, be well, be safe and be free.